so we don't need to do a clap sync, right? Nope, we're Zencaster. doing Zencaster, so we don't have to sync, yeah. which is awesome. Awesome. The future is here. <laughs> Technology <laughs> has uh, obviated the, the need of clapping. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all buttons. All right, banter. Uh, I got a new rug. Oh, shit. What's it like? Uh, it's, it's actually pink. Uh, you know, I'm going uh, pre-World War II masculinity, where, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, pink is is masculine um, and, and blue is for Okay, girls. it is also very fuzzy, so it's not it's, just... It's a, also extremely fuzzy. It is a pink, like, almost shag, but softer and fuzzier. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Amazon um, uh, describes it as for children. So, I, I, have, a ch- I have a pink children's rug in, in, my, in my office. <laughs> nice. Because I'm an adult. What kind of plant do you have, uh, David? Oh, yeah. The, uh, up there is um, a Boston fern. And then I got Oxalis. Oh, nice. Hanging out next to it. Uh, got some passion vines. Oh, I have passion a passion vine, vine as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, a rabbit. Uh, rabbit fern. fern? Yeah, nice. it's up there. It's, 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 not, it's not the best it's ever been right now because the cats are always always fighting it so i has to go all the way up there and it's not the best place for it and and then there's also the uh in the corner there is the wandering jew oh david wait, can say that no one else can say that <laughs> yeah i know none of you can say that only i can say that is that yeah the, have yeah, you the, um have you heard that like debate within the botany community over like if you can actually call it yeah. that or wandering dude but there are also people <laughs> who say that wandering dude is also offensive because it alludes to the original name and it's best just to use the Latin name altogether. Like just use the Latin name. Like, well, wow, way to be like, it. like Western centric and have to use the Latin <laughs> name. <laughs> no, what, what, so I, you know, as, as, Long-time listeners of the show know we, you know, uh, Brittany and I grew up in in Florida. I grew up in South Florida, and uh, where um, a version of the Wandering Jew <laughs> uh, uh, retired in Boca. No, um, uh, like is a um, uh, uh, is like it's bright, bright purple, and it will just like stay there forever. Mm-hmm. And I was cleaning out one of our uh, beds, one of our, our our planter beds, and I was trying to get rid of it, and I couldn't. And so I went to Home Depot. I was like, I'm tr- really trying to get rid of all these wandering Jews, and they oh I'm like saying this to the, the Home Depot employee, and they're and I they didn't know what I was talking about, and I didn't get service there um, after that. Um, so we're gonna have to ask you to leave. Yeah, we're gonna have to ask you to leave. The, we have, this, we this have a zero Depot. tolerance policy on anti-Semitism. Fun story yeah. about that passion vine. Um, when I moved up to when I we first moved up to New York, which is eleven years ago now, I really wanted something to like liven up the apartment, and I was in, I loved passion flowers, and the florist lady was like, "I'll order one for you, but it is not going to survive a winter up here. There's just there's no way." Um, and eleven years later, and that same passion vine is still kicking. It's still going strong. That, fuck yeah, yeah. That's yeah. even a cutting. That's a cutting from the original one that's downstairs. Yeah. So we have it's now yeah. turned into like three different plants. I think. Yeah. Nice. Man, I, man, I wish I could propagate. It's like I've started propagating. And... I've started propagating. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What part of your body did you cut off and put in? 
No, I started, um, I am propagating my Maranta. I propagated my Pothos a few months ago. I'm propagating my Monstera Deliciosa and I'm propagating my Croat. And then I propagate, I propagated my, um, wandering dude a few <laughs> months ago and it took really well. Yeah, wandering dudes, uh, they'll, they'll they just hang out wherever. You have to watch out. Yeah, you, they'll stick around. Yeah, whatever couch you got, they'll just they'll stay there until you kick them out, or they you know make them pay rent. And then they got to go wander should, again. Yeah, yeah. We should introduce. you. Yes, we should. We should um, introduce our guests yeah. now. Yeah. Well, so the, welcome the, to Ironweeds, the show about plants. Yep. Um, <laughs> and and we have a special out. guest today. <laughs> so we are joined by Amanda Yee, also uh, Radio Free Amanda on Twitter. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're very excited to talk with you today. Oh, thanks oh, actually, for having uh, me. Uh, the, the handle is cat content only, Yes, correct? the handle is cat content only. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Nice to talk to you all on a Sunday afternoon. Just a chill oh, yeah. Sunday afternoon. Chill you know, Sunday and afternoon. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, w- as we're recording, it's, you know, it's um, a couple days past the, uh, the Lunar New Year. Yes. The Ox. Yeah, go so uh, yeah. yeah. So we're we thought we you know why not spend Valentine's Day talking about Western imperialist media and what it says <laughs> about about China, right? Like why not? That's what I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just to, you know, snuggle up with your honey, get some chocolate, maybe some some roses, and, and say like, hey, hey, babe, uh, the Falun Gong. Uh, is a uh, imperialist uh, <laughs> arm of the CIA. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, and then you know, and let's see what see what happens. Just see what happens. You know, like chicks are into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how David got me actually talking about yep. the Falun Gong as an op. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's very yeah. romantic. Yeah, should we talk about? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so well, I, yeah, we should we should back up. So, like the one, the first thing that we were that we were thinking about talking about was this absolutely ridiculous, un like pretty unhinged story in the New York Times that just came out about the who the yeah. not the band, but the the World Health Organization. Oh, uh, that's what we're calling them now. Yeah, <laughs> I've uh, only ever heard you know, David call it the who, but yeah. we'll, let, we'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, no, that's what I'm going to call it. That's cool. All right, it makes them sound cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. They, the they're, who? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You call them the who. Yeah. It's cool. Okay. Right. Uh, they're um, they they, uh, they just left uh, China uh, mm-hmm. w- a- a- to um, uh, studying uh, what we what has largely already been kind of circulated in uh, international media about Wuhan and its role mm-hmm. in uh, COVID nineteen, and the New York Times is super pissed that uh, <laughs> the WHO didn't come out with like some scathing report that like these the these uh dangerous uh this dangerous ccp like you know f- force-fed people bats and now we have covid <laughs> or something like it yeah. seems like that's what they wanted but that's not what happened so this is the latest the article you're talking about is like the latest chapter in a year-long saga in which the new york times and a bunch of other uh western media outlets are claiming that China um, withheld information or are continuing to withhold information about uh, the COVID pandemic. So this line that they've been trying to push for a year is that uh, China, it was trying to withhold information in the beginning stages because uh, it didn't want 
you know, to project themselves as looking bad on the global stage, I guess. And so it withheld information for a long time. And that's what caused the pandemic to spread and like be uh, like as bad as it is now. And it was sort of this like way of deflecting the U.S. government's own blame from itself because the way that our government has handled it has been really terrible, you know? Um, yeah, like withholding information about the fact that it's airborne so there isn't a run on masks or that people get panicked right. about something that like could have been relatively contained in the early stages, but now is, as we Just know, a, completely out of control. Out of control. And we have no vaccines for people. Uh, and the vaccines that we do have, we keep giving them to white people, even though uh, white people, like it's um black and brown and like indigenous people who are disproportionately affected and hospitalized yeah. by covid um, largely, largely because a lot of them are also disproportionately represented in our prisons yeah yes and, and our uh um uh meatpacking industry as employees yeah. and those are uh the two as a category though those are two categories of like the biggest super spreader yeah. uh, um uh, locations uh, and and that that goes that plus the fact that you know we have a private healthcare system yada 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 makes it impossible for uh anyone that you know doesn't make a like high five figures uh to you know yeah to get healthcare yeah, right? yeah. high density and housing also, also um i keep hearing stories about in new york city where they set up vaccination clinics in low income areas like in washington heights where the population is largely like black or brown, right? But the people there who like are working the clinics, they don't do any sort of outreach to that area. And then all of the signups are online. So it requires a level of tech literacy that that community might not have. So what ends up happening is a lot of uh, like older uh, wealthier uh, white people will drive in from the wealthier parts of the city or just drive in from out of New York City mm -hmm. uh, into these low income areas and get these vaccines that were meant for people within that community. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. They call it, it vaccine tourism, right? Yeah. Vaccine like, tourism. yeah. And it's also happening in other countries that have like no waiting lists or okay. like other things that, that are going on. Various, you know, governments are doing this completely differently. Like, for example, in, um, uh, well, I guess this isn't vaccine tourism, but just as an example of the vaccine rollout and how it's uh, racially discriminated across the world, you look at like Israel and oh, Israel yeah. is like boasting like crazy numbers of like who's been vaccinated and they got like something like 60%. Or, I mean, you know, yeah, probably they're off saying by that. that like a third of their population has been vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, that but they're Thank completely you. excluding the Palestinians. Yeah, think, pretty much. Yeah, the last, I read a few days ago that they had only reserved something like 5,000 uh, vaccines for the Palestinians in West Bank and Gaza, oh but God. there are like 4.5 million Palestinians in those two uh, in Palestine. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an apartheid situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. I mean, you know, like they do only give them about two and a half hours of electricity every day. So like you wouldn't be able to get the Pfizer vaccine, for example, to like stay uh, in those conditions. Um, but yeah, no, it's fucked up. Yeah.
Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, and that's, that's the thing that um, always gets me with like the, the indiscriminate or the discriminant use of the, of the vaccines and its rollout is that, um, you know, like I'm not, like it would be, it would be pretty ridiculous to say like Pfizer and Moderna, like intentionally invented like these vaccines that have to be kept ice cold for the purposes of like keeping them from like rural poverty, you know, like, pe- people in rural poverty from getting them. But that is the impact, right? Is that mm-hmm. like, it's very, very difficult to vac- to vaccinate people in like, uh, r- you know, like rural Kentucky, uh, all the way through to like Libya, right? Like mm-hmm. all these places that don't have this um, infrastructure for uh, refrigeration, uh, especially this deep cold refrigeration. And then you have um, the one vac- the one promising vaccine in the West that was going to be shelf stable, the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine. That was also going to be sold at cost until the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation showed up and they're like, no, you should really patent that, actually. And like the cost goes up and then all of a sudden, like it's it's more expensive and harder to to get. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's hard work being the most successful philanthropist in the world. I mean, that guy somehow has retired uh, and become a full time philanthropist and increased his wealth fourfold. Since retiring and becoming a philanthropist, that's good philanthropy. How else are you, you know? supposed and- to philanthropope if you don't, you know, how do you think this works? Yeah. You get rich by giving yeah. all my money away. And we haven't heard, Amanda, a lot about the, the vaccines that like China's making, right? There's like, they have like two of them, I think. Yeah. This? Um, they have one. Uh, I think one is the Sinopharm. Uh, vaccine and then i'm not sure what the other one is called yeah um but the media uh you know stories around these have been like pretty wild as well i think there was there was a lot of a few months ago there was a story that came out i think that it was printed by reuters where um they said that there was a death like someone died during one of the trials for one of these Chinese vaccines. And that was the headline, you know, like a trial suspended after death of a participant. Um, But you read the actual article and like the death was actually a suicide that had nothing to do with the vaccine whatsoever. Um, And, you know, researchers that they interviewed for that story said that it was a suicide and that it had like no relation to the trial whatsoever. And they were sort of, uh, they were like pretty puzzled as to why um, the uh, trial had been suspended. Um, I think it was in Brazil. Yeah. It was in Brazil. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now that uh, you mentioned that this is, that is sound li- sounding vaguely familiar to me. And you yeah. know, I think it is actually, you know, like, uh, Look, listener, I can already hear you saying in my head, they don't know what they're talking about. Why don't they actually read the article and then talk about it like experts? And like, no, there's a reason why. And it's because this is actually, uh, we planned this. (laughs) It's because, um, uh, like, that. this is what you're left with. Yeah. When, you know, and this is how propaganda works, right? Is like, you're left with like this vague recollection of of a, of a headline that you glanced at or like a, an article you scanned and what you take back okay. is that I like, will say that I reread this article a couple of weeks ago and I am very confident in my like recollection of the article. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair this enough. is why you bring an expert on the show. This is why you yeah, need an actual exactly. professional. 
But yeah. um, the headline, that's the issue. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah because issue. nobody reads. Everybody just gets their news information from the headline. Yep. It's the this like, terrible attention economy where yeah. like, we have way too much content out there and everything's fighting for your attention. We Most people only, or they don't read beyond the headline and news sources know that. Yeah, and Twitter so has the balls will, to say, oh, do you want to, don't you want to read this before you retweet it? No, I'm busy. I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also like, oh, like we, like it's like making like a giant, uh, I don't know, like a, like a giant soda vending machine with like a like a fire hose of 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 Pepsi, just like, and you can just like like s- connect it to your mouth, and then like there's a little thing that's like, are you sure you don't want water? And he was like, no, I'm here to like get injected with Pepsi. And I was like, no, come on, man, like you know what the fuck your system is for is to glance exactly. at headlines and smash the serotonin buttons. I was like, don't tell me, ooh, read the article first. It's like, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. But it so, is a real problem because we that's like you grant so much power to these media outlets when you set up an attention system in which, you know, you don't and even and then even if you do read the article, like maybe that's a good segue into these other two pieces that we were gonna talk about, the New York Times article and then the um the Politico. And I'm not even gonna give it the charitable uh uh description of an article because it's three paragraphs, but like you know, even if let's say, OK, no, I am going to take the three minutes to actually click on it and read the article before I retweet this to my uh, 900 followers. But like even the article itself is full of like misinformation and misrepresentation. And, you know, in the yeah, in the New York Times piece that we were talking about, which is about these World Health Organization scientists who went to China to, you know, spend they spent a month there trying to research the origins of the virus. and. Both of them said on Twitter that the end product of that reporting was a complete misrepresentation of their quotes and their experiences while they were there. So what's interesting about this article is that there was already kind of a framework uh, that was, you know, pre-constructed. And then they just sort of fit these researchers' quotes into that framework. Um, so. Can we read like the first four paragraphs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Brittany's our professional literate person. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, you guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I actually highlighted the places where they cited these scientists. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll read up to the first quote, I guess, if that sounds good. But yeah, that sounds perfect. So this was published uh, two days ago. In the New York Times, the headline is, On WHO trip, China refused to hand over important data. Subhead, the information... Like bitches. (laughs) Like like (laughs) devious... It says it in there. It says that in there. (laughs) The information could be key to determining how and when the outbreak started and to learning how to prevent future pandemics. So, begins, Chinese scientists refused to share raw data that might bring the world closer to understanding the origins of the coronavirus pandemic, independent investigators for the WHO said on Friday. The investigators, who recently returned from a fact-finding trip to the Chinese city of Wuhan, said disagreements over patient records and other issues were so tense that they sometimes erupted into shouts among the typically mild-mannered scientists on both sides. Ooh, ran out of air on that one. China's continued resistance to revealing information about the early days of the coronavirus outbreak, the scientists say, makes it difficult for them to uncover important clues that could help stop future outbreaks of such dangerous diseases. 
And then here's the first quote, and this is from, I, I don't know if it's Thea or Thea Colson Fisher, but if you were data focused and you were, and if you were a professional, uh, said Thea Colson Fisher, a Danish epidemiologist on the team, then obtaining, then obtaining data is like for a clinical doctor looking at the patient and seeing them by your own eyes. So what's really interesting here is that is a fair, that's a pretty innocuous quote. You know, that could have just been pulled from, you know, her describing to the reporter just the general process um, of, you know, an investigation like this. Very generic statement. Exactly. But the way that they used it makes it sound like she is it. She's lambasting them for not yeah, exactly. providing the data. It, it makes yeah. it sound exactly, like she's saying yeah. they're not professional, right? That's the exactly, implication. That's exactly. the, yeah. Yeah, that's the implication. But it could just be very well that she was just describing the process and not meaning to suggest that at all. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine a journalist saying, why is the raw data important for you for you to have yeah. when you're examining this? And then she gives that <laughs> response and then they frame it as these sci- these unprofessional scientists refuse to offer this data that this researcher, this scientist says is, is so necessary. Um, yeah, and this is why it's a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next quote that they took from her is, I think, similarly manipulated. She says, uh, quote, it was my uh, take yeah. on the entire mission that it was highly geopolitical. Everybody knows how much pressure there is on China to be open to an investigation and also how much blame there might be associated with this. And, you know, the like the framing of it makes it seem like, you know, China is being geopolitical, which like is fine. But like everybody's being ge- it's geopolitics. We have yeah, countries and they have politics <laughs> like we live. It's just kind of like this. I don't know. It's really, um, I think, misleading to take that quote and then the way it's framed in the rest of the article to make it seem like China is using this as a power grab. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is that, you know, she was one of maybe like two or three researchers who are quoted in this article. And two of those researchers quoted in that article, um, they, you know, went onto Twitter and they tweeted out that they took issue with the framing of, of the article itself and the way that their quotes were manipulated to fit that framing. Yeah. And they also went on to say that the, uh, the Chinese uh, scientists that they worked with were completely transparent that they mm-hmm. provided all the information that they had requested and were working hand in glove together to like make the investigation a success. Yeah, yeah. I think Thea says, uh, this was not my experience either on the epi side. Oh, either. So she's referring to Peter Daszak, who's another uh, scientist who's quoted in the article. And both they both basically say this was not my experience. Um, Thea mm-hmm. says, we did build up a good relationship. Uh, allowing for heated arguments reflects a deep level of engagement in the room. And that's another thing is they say like, oh, there was disagreement. Well, I mean, of course there's disagreement. There's disagreement <laughs> in, you know, like in any intellectual exercise among peers. There's We've never be disagreed on this show. No. Yeah, not that's once. That's true. Well, we're not an intellectual exercise. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, but I, I think what, what, what was really, um, what really caught me was that the, on, on Twitter, these, these two scientists are saying this is dangerous because it undermines the work that we're doing. He's like, the point of the work is to come to consensus about like how this happened. Mm -hmm. And that's like, 
and, and if we don't come to consensus of how that happened, we're not able to. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. That's <laughs> no, fine. If, Get, you know, for the listener, it, there's a cute cat moment. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, if, if you're not able to come to consensus, right, then it's impossible to like all come together and say this is how it happened. This is how we prevent it in the future, or this is uh, a, a new best practice that we should implement. You know, yeah. anything like that, right? None of that can happen because instead, it's like it's just like uh, Joe. It's this bipartisan effort from Joe Biden and the outgoing Donald Trump administration saying like China bad. Right, right. Um, yeah, and this is just the latest chapter in a saga where, uh, you know, the U.S. media has been trying to accuse China. I feel like this is reaching conspiracy theory levels, you know. Um, for a year, uh, U.S. has been accusing China and the World Health Organization of being in cahoots. Because, like, if you remember, if you think back to a year ago when this all started, the World Health Organization like praised China for its response to the pandemic, you know, multiple times. And you know, here was this like internationally recognized body, you know, saying that. But people in the U.S. would be like, or like politicians would be like, "Oh, they're being paid off by the Chinese government," and it's just. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. While at the same time, the Trump administration saying stuff like, we're going to pull our funding from right. uh, the WHO because like, I, they, they don't run as well as my restaurants or something. I don't, I don't know what it, it, exactly is. Is our, you know, just a general thing about corruption. Mm-hmm. So it was, at, at the same time, it's like this, the, the WHO is being paid off by China and we refuse to continue to, quote unquote pay them off i guess right like 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 mm-hmm. of course that's a whole that's the way like intergovernmental like organizations fucking work is that the different participating governments like contribute money <laughs> to mm-hmm. make them work yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's <laughs> yeah. like yes of course the who has chinese money it also has american money and and money from holland and and, and like a dozen other places like of course it does it should <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah the actual bribery uh, for the people that were um on this investigation was just being allowed to party you know like yes. going to wuhan and and not having to uh <laughs> be in lockdown like because china has this thing apparently on lock and you know they're having like like well, what was it like a, a, a a pool go, like, party sweet, with like, like ten thousand yeah, like, people wave in pool it. Rave parties and stuff. Yeah, there is a ridiculous part of the article too that says like this. It was really hard for them to work because they had to quarantine when they first got there, and they could only meet on Zoom. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, that's why they don't have how many half a million people dead at like we do. Like, oh no, did they have to quarant- They had to do something on Zoom. Oh no, on Zoom. I have only. <laughs> I have. I haven't seen my mother in a year and a half. Like, oh no, did the scientists have to work on Zoom for ten days? Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. Where where was that part? I, it's, it, it, it was. I I have it right here. If you want, um, they okay, say yeah. the the logistics of the trip made already fraught relations even more tense. The WHO team was forced into quarantine for the first two weeks, so meetings were conducted on Zoom. And even when the members emerged, rules to thwart outbreaks in China meant that the team could not gather with their counterparts for meals and informal talks. It's like. It's just like it's it's one of those like 
weird American things where it's like, okay, you know, like Thomas Jefferson was like, uh, you know, uh, you can own black people, uh, individuals are, there's no God, uh, individuals are the basis of politics, and also uh, restaurants are a human right. And it's just like that. Yeah. It's so, it's, it makes no fucking sense. And yeah. It's just, it's, you, we were able to accomplish things as a species before the invention of the modern restaurant. Like, it's not, it's not like, it's not like we, we signed the constitution in a, in a, in a cheesecake factory. You know, it's just like, we, you can do these things without having to go to restaurants. This is like a very common way of like reporting on China though. Um, so like oftentimes if they want to sort of like frame the government as like um, authoritarian or overreaching, what they do is they will, um, they will find like one or two people. If they want to question a CPC policy, they'll find like one or two people who were like mildly annoyed or like somewhat inconvenienced by that policy and then frame this uh, human interest story around it. Like uh, a year ago um, when China was just starting to implement their like lockdown when the pandemic was just like starting, um, they would interview people who were like really sad because they couldn't travel to see their family during the Lunar New Year. And they would be like, yeah, I haven't seen my year, my family in a really long time. And I can't go this year because of these really harsh measures. <clears throat> and they like use that as a way to um, sort of, you know, like depict the CPC as this like iron fisted authoritarian regime that doesn't respect human rights or the human right to freedom of movement. Even though, you know, it's really sad that like, it is really sad that these two people like can't see their families after like however long, but that's the sacrifice that you have to make in order to sort of quash this pandemic. You have to think of the greater, of the, of the larger collective here, the greater good. And I think that's something that's really foreign to people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because we're we're so individualistic, we can only think about. I mean, we can't even get people to wear a fucking mask here. Like that is common sense. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't have to be a scientist to realize that masks, uh, you know, slow the spread of a because you're literally wearing a barrier on your face. Like a child can comprehend that. Yeah. Or it's yeah. like, like, I think we'd watch enough, like, medical procedurals to know that, like, there's something going on with masks and health. <laughs> you know, like, it to be vaguely connected. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah, something like, connected there. Yeah. The, the worst. Yeah, yeah. Just like the, uh, the, the worst um, uh, representation of, like, what it was like to be in China during the initial lockdown, like, just after the new Lunar New Year last year, um, that I saw was, like, street-level violence between neighborhoods that were quarantined versus neighborhoods that weren't, and people, like, trying to get out and mm-hmm. basically, like, getting in fights in the street. But, like, we have World Star. 
We have like so many <laughs> videos of Americans fighting each other, like over masks, like coughing on each other's faces. Like we have Spitting baked Alaska. We've got like, yeah. yeah, we've got all this fucked up shit that we could, you know, point out as well. And like, you know, the fact that these, these like little video snippets are used to be like, you know, beware of, of evil China. You know, it's like, I don't really know too much about what it's like to be inside of China, but the, like the level of aggressive, uh, anti-China bias in the mass media is like so obvious. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's very, it, and it, it, I don't see it for a lot of other countries. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that it has everything to do with geopolitics, it has everything yeah, to do with sure. the fact that China is like, you know, uh, just expanding economically, like faster than any other country, uh, besides maybe like Brazil or India, but I think faster than any other country. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, anyway. And also just, just the continuation of the Red Scare that never ended, you know, that began with mm-hmm. the Soviet Union and, and has continued ever since. And there's also this, like one other really absurd quote from this article is, is, like the way that um, China is painted as like devious and hiding something and lying. Uh, and there's this, they quote another one of the, of the scientists. Um, so the article says, Chinese commentators have seized on that finding, the finding that there was some evidence of spread outside of China prior to December of 2019, um, have seized on that finding to build on the government's mantra that it was possible that China was not the source of the outbreak and to urge the World Health Organization to look elsewhere. Um, the, the who team said it would look, but that they were skeptical, skeptical. I think it started in China. Dr. Dwyer said there is some evidence of circulation outside China, but it's actually pretty light. Now what's happening here. And I'm, and uh, apologies for just me. I, I was a uh, media studies scholar in a, in a previous Mm -hmm. life. And like what they're doing here is very like kind of subtle, but very dangerous, which is they're framing these two things as if they are in opposition, right? You might read that and take away from it, oh, China think China wants to tell everybody that it started elsewhere, but the World Health Organization knows that it started there. But in fact, they're saying the same thing. China is saying that it's possible it started somewhere else, and the World Health Organization is saying, we think it started in China, but yeah, it's possible that it started somewhere else. So the framing of yeah, those as if they're in op- opposition is like really um, insidious. Like it's very... Um, uh, uh, I don't, it's it's disgusting to me. Like it's really like you can't. Mm-hmm. Journalists know these things. Like journalists go to school to know these things and to learn how to report objectively on things. So this is like a very deliberate attempt by a journalist to make you think something that is not actually held up by these by these you know positions taken by the actors. What while not like lying in a way that like you're you're saying that you're like uh, like you're you're creating fake facts or whatever right and that's why it's it's more dangerous than this is more dangerous than anything the new york post ever publishes like this new york times article is is it's using its you know uh reputation and its legitimacy as as an objective news outlet to do the exact same type of shit that we would excoriate the new york post for doing Mm -hmm. yeah and and there's certainly no precedent of them ever doing this that led to i don't know a war they like killed like <laughs> a million innocent people, uh, um, you know, like, so yeah. I don't know, the gray lady, like mm-hmm. this paper mm-hmm. record, I think it is beyond rebuke. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap that's it up for point. this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> we love uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash ironweeds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I guess I guess I'll, I'm just I'm just trying to bring that up because I see a lot of parallels between the level of misinformation slash like cherry picking of information to try to like you were saying when you glance the headline like get propaganda into the heads of Americans to both fear and prepare for some type of like maybe not all out military conflict but like serious aggression toward this rising superpower. It's yeah. just like. It's it's no fucking good. It's like the opposite of good vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think what's really astounding to me is the general historical amnesia of Americans. Um, like Iraq is the most obvious example in our lifetimes, but also the New York Times and the Washington Post they um, sort of rallied support for the coup in Bolivia last year. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, so there's that recent example. Um, also, um, we entered the Vietnam War on false pretenses, right? Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah. Remember the main? Yeah. Uh, 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 for the Spanish-American War. Yeah. And the testimony of that, like, Kuwaiti girl who said um, babies were, like, ripped out of incubators. Mother- yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. that. That was um that was how we entered what it the, the first Gulf other, War. The first yeah, Gulf that was War, a, yeah. Yeah, the bloody shirt of that moment. So like I I just don't understand why why people just take all this stuff at face value when we have so many different historical examples, like even in the past, you know, like 40, 50 years of like our media manufacturing consent for military aggression against enemy states. Like, I think it's healthy to be like naturally critical of, of these kinds of stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, which is like, maybe this is a good point to open up this conversation, open up the pit as it were of conversation <laughs> of dialogue, <laughs> the pit of dialogue and, uh, and, and, and say like, um, you know, like, so i mean we you don't have to believe that the the that the the that china and the governing um political party that runs it are saints right or that they that this nation ever has done anything wrong right like of, of course it has of course every nation does something egregious at some point usually um it it, it and I, I, th- I think it, it, maybe this is a po- good time to say, you know, like it. The point, the problem is that we we can't know, like, w- because our, our media is so is is so like distorted around not just China but Iran, North Korea, uh, uh, Brazil in the completely wrong direction. You know, like all of these uh, uh, the, all these problems with interpretation and representation of these nations that like with Cuba, right? That you, we can't make an informed decision for ourselves about whether or not we should vote one way or another, or, or, you know, get in the streets for one thing or another. It's really, really hard. Like we, like the three of us have even had a hard time, like picking apart what happened in Hong Kong. Right. Yeah. It, because like, on the one hand, you know, your American brain is like freedom. Good. Like go, go get the a bad government, bad, get, go get that government that's trying to take your freedom <laughs> you know, and, and, and they're like you know that you do that on the one hand but on the other hand you 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 know you, you just do a quick search and like the falun gong is like all over and the epic times is all over that hong kong 
uprising, you know? And yeah, it's like, and if it's you look at the creepy. If you look at the funding sources, a lot of like the mo- and I'm going to say right now that Hong Kong is a very complicated situation. There were there were different factions within the protest, right? But you can't argue or you can't deny that the most prominent activists within the Hong Kong protests, like Joshua Wong, Nathan Law, they all received funding from the U.S. government, the State Department and the NED. Mm-hmm. And Nathan Law is a fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute, which is a think tank. It's an ultra conservative think tank in Canada. And it's one of these think tanks in Canada that have that has been peddling like the most virulent sinophobic propaganda um, within the past year. And I think this is like a good segue to talk about think tanks in general mm. and their role in peddling this information and you know where their sources of funding come from. Mm, right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so but- a lot of, oh go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to make a joke that they come from Clubhouse because we have like one short article <laughs> about how, and like we don't we don't even have to go into it. Is it just like as a, as a brief tangent that 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 the Clubhouse, the like audio only uh, upstart app that like Elon Musk likes to predict like when uh, mescaline will be on the blockchain or whatever, like he uh, that um like, like they 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 wanted to do something where like they take it they, they want to take out the one thing that is run by China, like out of it so that it doesn't, China doesn't steal our Ted talks or whatever. Like, I have no idea what <laughs> they're worried about exactly with that. It was like, but yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. So it's a think tanks. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you read like an op-ed about China um, or you read like a New York times or Washington post piece about China, Okay, so either the op-ed will be written by a fellow or someone affiliated with some sort of think tank, or in that article, they will quote a policy paper or a researcher from a think tank. And there's like a bunch of them, but... We'll do like the Hoover uh, Institution, the Cato mm-hmm. Institute, right? Yeah. The Kissinger, the Kissinger Kiss- Institute for China and U.S. Oh, relations. God. Like, <laughs> why would anybody like trust that? The Democracy but, yeah, Slaughterhouse. Um, Hudson yeah. Institute <laughs> is another one. Um, ASPE, the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, is another one. Um, ASPE, that but, is very ableist. You should not be allowed to call your organization yeah, ASPE. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see it um, works there. Oh um, <laughs> damn! Oh boy! Topical um, humor there. You can um you you can like look at their sources of funding. It's usually available online. Um, and all of these different think think tanks get uh funding through um uh like. Companies like Google, which sell their search engine technology and capabilities to the U.S. government, mm-hmm. um, AT&T, which sells their telecoms uh, technology to the U.S. government, and then also like these like big defense contractors like Northrop Grumman, um, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, uh, General Atomic. They give like hundreds of thousands of dollars every year 
to think tanks like the Hudson Institute and ASPE. And ASPE mm-hmm. even gets uh, funding from the U.S. State Department. So there is, I mean, there's like a direct line or connection between think tank, uh, these corporations, think tank, and then the media that we consume and U.S. policy, because there's always like war is a very profitable, profitable business, right? And Raytheon, like we call them like defense contractors, but weapons are actually like a very small fraction Mm -hmm. of their business. They are also in the business of intelligence analysis. Yeah. And the CIA and the intelligence community and all of these agencies within um, the U.S. government, very little of that intelligence analysis is actually done by government employees anymore. During the Clinton administration, they were sort of under a lot of pressure to uh, tighten up the budget because after the Cold War, they didn't need like these, like uh, they were pouring a bunch of money into uh, like the CIA and the Pentagon. Um, and so they created all of these uh, like committees and task forces to figure out where they could cut the budget. And they did that through um, um, laying off a bunch of government employees in the CIA and the Defense Department and replacing them with contractors. And so they would contract uh, like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton to do all of their intelligence analysis. And they did that during the Clinton administration. And then during the Bush administration, you know, 9-11 happened, of course. So they needed, uh, you know, they needed that kind of intelligence analysis again. Mm -hmm. Um, And rather than hiring government employees, they created more government contracts for these companies. So like very little of actual intelligence analysis is done by government employees anymore. It's these corporations. Um, and they know that if they create this situation where there's always like this external threat, they can, they create a situation where there's always a need for intelligence analysis and a situation where they can always create profit. And these, these corporations aren't necessarily like, um, patriotic or nationally based. Like these corporations can work with various con- com- countries as long as they aren't within certain sanction um, lists w- as far as the government's concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for example, if you think of like, um, uh, fuck, what, what do they call themselves now? Like uh, Blackwater? They, oh, they yeah. Names, or like, Academy. Like, okay. You just yeah, Blackwater. I, yeah, whatever. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Eric Prince and his mm-hmm. uh, goon squad. Like, they basically do work with China and they do work with like all countries all over the world they're hired and in like, they're mercenaries so much, yeah they don't they're not yeah. they're not patriotic institutions designed to look out for american interests <laughs> i mean not that that would make them good but like. yeah exactly exactly and and it's just it seems uh strange that like all this money that we collect in taxes right and then we give to these corporations or we just print right because we're basically an mmt right now um we are now giving to these uh you know corporations that can do basically whatever they want and like so the whole analysis of geopolitics as it relates to just state actors versus like the corporations that these state actors use to like you know do signal and intelligence. 
agents or, you know, do mm-hmm. like various kill squads in these countries or to extradite to black sites in the, these other countries or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, a- aspects of like the dark powers that are like looming over the whole globe. It's incredibly hard to like parse out like what exactly people are doing or what people's motives are. And, you know, another example of like something that I've been seeing is this concept of like the friend of my enemy must be my enemy. Like anytime that there's like a democratic organization against some power that, you know, the United States just, you know, does isn't holding in the greatest of lights, like isn't like a, a super strong ally, like the CIA will get involved. And then, you know, like you look at like what's going on in um, the Rojava project and mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, they have a lot of CIA ties. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but they're all, they're also like a, a democratic group of people, like a stateless society that's trying its best to be egalitarian and like fight like fucking uh, ISIS and like survive mm-hmm. against both the Kurdish state and the, uh, the, the Syrian state, depending on the year. And like, it's complicated. And I'm not mm-hmm. ready to just be like, oh, the CIA is involved. They're bad. They're bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like that with Hong Kong, you know, like mm-hmm. I see all these teenagers like like fighting <laughs> like cops with shotguns mm-hmm. and they're fighting in my mind. It's like there's no fucking way they're like fighting for American imperialism. Like I just can't buy it. Like they're fighting for their future in some way. And, then, and like, as you said, there's all these different uh, factions and it's more complicated than than I know. Yeah, about. I mean, you also but have like, to account yeah. for the fact that like people can be manipulated and you can take like authentic, you know, grassroots <laughs> That's it happens true. all the time in the yeah. United States, too. Like, you can take mm-hmm, an authentic mm-hmm. grassroots movement and have it be manipulated either through, you know, like, very direct means, like Asian provocateurs, or through other, you know, through less, like, mm-hmm. overt means. But um, yeah, the, the, we should always, I think, be hesitant to, like, make blanket evaluations of any of these conflicts or movements when... Especially because like so much of the work of manufacturing consent is not so much to convince you of a single narrative, but to define the the borders of acceptable yeah, the understanding. Window. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's not so much that like the New York Times is trying to convince you that China is devious, which it it, it is, but it's also it <laughs> trying to set like the outer boundaries of acceptable understanding of how China is, how China behaves as a geopolitical actor, right? So that's a big part of that work, too. Yeah, this conversation uh, is reminding me, you know, Amanda, what you were saying about how, uh, you know, Raytheon is sort of like, uh, impacts the New York Times through like this like four step process of like just like mm-hmm. changing the 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 entire ecology of what is known about the about that nation in America in general reminds me very much of um uh, this book by Michael Goldman called Imperial Nature and it's about how the World Bank um co opted a lot of social justice uh, organizations mm-hmm. uh, particularly in like in uh, Africa and in South America where. You know, they realize that, you know, you can't just like, it's getting harder and harder to just, you know, like, you know, like, kill off Sankara and, you know, like, uh, Kwame Nkuma and stuff, you know, like, you can't just like, just like, keep knocking over these, these uh, uh, democratically elected, uh, like, socialists. So that, so what they do instead, is they would, they would uh, uh, write reports, they would do the the think tank shtick, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would go to uh, uh, parties within parliamentary governments in in a in in fairly stable states and instead of instead of you know just like toppling their government installing a dictator and then that dictator like takes out a five billion dollar loan or whatever from the world bank instead of doing that right instead you you 
go to those uh, organizations and you say, oh, do you care about women's rights? Like you yeah. care about women's rights, right? And, you know, like, and, you, and, they're, and they're like, well, yeah, no, we, we're actually working really hard to like, you know, get, uh, make sure that, you know, like women can get education and stuff like that. And like, okay, well, you know what, actually this study right here that we just happen to have shows that the best way to get women into school is to buy a bunch of Microsoft laptops, you know, and, and like, mm. you know, like all, and like, and like all, and that, and, and then you, you get, um, homegrown advocates essentially of world bank policies by simply uh, feeding them information that leads them to the conclusions you want them to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and this, you know, this, the, and that started, uh, I mean, like Imperial Nature, the, this, this book that I'm describing was uh, uh, printed, uh, I believe first in like 2006. And it's like studying stuff that happened in the nineties. Right. So this isn't, you know, this is like, it's already like a gosh, you know, like almost a 30 year old project of, of like how, uh, um, nations uh, get outside of the United States, like get absorbed into these imperial projects is not is not like through the very simple like like Chris was saying like it's not it's not like all these teenagers work for the CIA or George Soros or whatever you know mm-hmm. pick your poison right it's it's because you capture entire swaths of of political groups through uh, all all sorts of capturing methods like it's it's yeah. it's, it's very very uh 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 complicated and and insidious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i kind of wanted to get to this australian broadcasting company article but i think may, but it's which one it, is that which one is uh, that uh this is uh inside the falun gong oh yeah uh, yeah 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 i, I mean I, we've started like reading a, it yeah. we've mentioned yeah, them so, so many times and we yeah. haven't really said <laughs> anything yeah. about I, th- I think we might are. just need to have Amanda on again to like go through <laughs> the I mean, Falun just... Gong, like just yeah. like do a fa- finally do a Falun Gong episode. We've been wanting to yeah, do that for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But if you talk about the Falun Gong, then you also have to talk about the Epoch Times. Yes, yes, yes. Empire. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, do we want to just talk about that real quick? Because like that's something that we've we've mentioned on the podcast before. We've basically gone through the the videos that are heavily advertised on YouTube of like, yeah. Bing, here's like, you know, <laughs> Bing. <laughs> like, do you uh, read news? Do you want print news <laughs> delivered to your home? News on the important things like food you should eat and how China is evil. Do you want this news? <laughs> like the the advertisements yeah. for it are so fucking yeah. weird. And it's all really this like pencil neck motherfucker that is like, <laughs> he's like holding a newspaper like a normal human, you know, it's just like from the top. A lot like, of normal like, human oh, energy no. in those ads, yeah. Yeah, it was like, yeah. like, did you know that ghosts live in your closet? And it's just like the CCP put them there. Yeah. So okay, we talked about we've we've mentioned them, and what the heck is the Falun Gong? What the heck is it? Uh, the Falun Gong is this like right wing cult that exists. Um, they're like a group that um, uh, we say is like repressed in China. It's I believe it's illegal for them to like exist, um, but um, they have a lot of members in the U.S. and. They are led by the spiritual leader, Master Lee, and they have a lot of really weird, like, uh, not so great beliefs. Like, they don't believe in evolution. Um, they believe 
that uh, race mixing is an alien plot uh, to uh, draw us further away from God. Um, they believe homosexuality and promiscuity in general is unnatural. So, so far they're like a Chinese Grace Baptist church. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit of Nexium vibes thrown in also <laughs> in that, like the, the leader of it is just like, he's just like some guy in like, like some, uh, 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 bu- uh, like government bureaucrat in the '90s that just was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna just go go fuck off and see what happens if I tell everyone that you can pray away your 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 pray away the gay basically. Mm-hmm. They also uh, don't believe in modern medicine. Um, yeah. so wow, that's another important one. Yeah. So um, I think in the article that you sent, um, like in pre- preparation for this show, uh, one of the people it was an article that you know interviewed a few people who had been involved in the Falun Gong and one of them uh you know because they didn't believe in modern medicine she stopped taking like all her prescription medications and she died that'll happen um, now are they are they, are they yeah. Christian because they sound very Christian based on like the American you know tradition of like fundamentalism I don't know because I know I know they meditate a lot and they do qigong in public yeah, they, they talk a lot about karma, and mm-hmm. it seems to be like one of these. I don't, I don't know. It's it's, it's very uh, um, weird, like hard to decode as as an American. But it does seem like a lot. It, it though it does seem uh, have uh, uh, ironically like the 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 very westernized version of Eastern uh, uh, spirituality. They just like talk mm. about karma a bunch, and you know, like if you do this, like you might not, God might not love you a little, but also he loves everyone, and he's in everything. And it's just like it's 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 it doesn't seem particularly uh, it's, it denominational. Seems like it, it's, the, mm. it's used, yeah. It's, well, like or like you know, spirituality is used as st- much more strictly as a control mechanism than than anything else. They also love Donald Trump. Yeah, they love Donald Trump. And have you all seen the posters for like that Shen Yun performance? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they look dope. It looks like pure fire. <laughs> yeah, d- d- describe it. Um. So, uh, I'm sure you've seen them. They're they were everywhere before the pandemic. But uh, you see a poster, and it's it's for this like dance show called Shen Yun. S H E N Y U N. And yeah, it's just a, it's just a show that kind of highlights the history. It goes through the historical timeline of China up until today, but that show is Mm. put out by the Falun Gong. Yeah. It's their principal moneymaker in terms of like uh, revenue from the West. And and they use that to fund the Epoch Times, which also is a moneymaker, but like, you know. But the Epoch Times, uh got hundreds of thousands of dollars of COVID relief funding um, this past year. Yeah. Fucking tight. Yeah. What a grift. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I always have Hell to give yeah. a hats off to a good grift when you see it because you have to you <laughs> have God. to respect it a little bit. Um, uh, and we, we were also looking over very briefly. There's this um, uh, PBS. And so, you know, this uh. is. It gives, it gives as far as far left as PBS, you know, um, uh, the, the <laughs> news bastion hour of segment. <laughs> yeah. communist literature. Yeah, Big it, Birds it, of they, 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 they do this story about um, uh, the open technology 
fund. Yeah, uh, OTF. Yeah, Technology Fund. Yeah, which is, you know, essentially like the umbrella organization now for like Radio Free Europe and Asia, like these uh, CIA-backed uh, propaganda Oh, is outlets. that not like the U.S. Agency for Global News anymore or U.S. Global Agency? Yeah, they changed the name of it. Yeah. Oh, because, okay. Well, because they have to pivot to digital. So what are they called now? They They're all video now. now. The, yeah, the Office of or no Open Technology Fund, mm. Open Technology Fund. So they, so they, um, Open Technology Fund. So they, they, um, uh, we, we when we had Yasha Levine on a while ago, you know, he talked about how uh, a lot of Signal, um, the everyone's mm-hmm, favorite mm-hmm. private messaging app, had had a lot of funding come from OTF, and uh, and now uh, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and. Uh, uh, I think one other one, maybe Telegram or something, also run some OTF software on it, and so you know, it's, it's, so there's, there's, you know, there's a, some l- legitimate concern about where where that comes from. But um, the, one of the, the the way that this relates to the Falun Gong is, and in, 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 it's in this PBS article. So far, the PBS article you know just kind of paints uh, OTF as as a bastion of of objective news journalism throughout the 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 world. You know, just a shining. Spreading Beacon American of, ideals of, of, of freedom and liberty is literally <laughs> yeah, what just, it says. Like, yeah, they say that. <laughs> um, uh, good thing it's a, it's a it's it's just a voiceover because I, I can't imagine they're saying it with a straight face. But um, <laughs> but the uh, uh, but then they're like, but it's under attack by Donald Trump, yeah. who uh, wants to replace a big portion of it with this like Falun Gong backed uh, um, stuff. And they and like the guy that runs uh, OTF like went on a, a Falun Gong show like called like American Thought Leaders or something like that, and and yeah, so it was it was just like a a a spook organization almost got taken over by the Falun Gong, which is even more a scary. bigger spook organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just this you know the, the spook eating its own tail. <laughs> it spooks yeah. all the way down. Yeah. yeah, it is though. It yeah, really is. it really is. And you know, and then, uh. and then, like, I, 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 it was amazing. He's like in research for the show. I'm like, I'm like just searching through the Fal- you know, searching the Falun Gong and Google News, and within like 24 hours of each other is that story from PBS, and then right next to it is a New York Post article about how someone oh, yeah. found a someone found a note in their like Halloween candy or something about like all the time conveniently. <laughs> like yeah. I like. These people supposedly in Chinese gulags, all like who are like fluent in English, right? Yeah. That's what's so have, weird. Like write like two page letters saying, "Hey, can you contact like the World Human Rights Organization and tell them I'm like in this labor camp?" Yeah, yeah, and like perfect uh, penmanship, <laughs> and like they, and it's like in a like a pink glitter pen or something. It's like, how did yeah. you get this? Like, uh, well, what I want to know is how is it that no other countries are getting the um, the secret messages from our labor camps that are like in every fucking state. Think about like, it. Th- th- you know, like, like yeah, with people who actually speak English, who are actually <laughs> fluent <laughs> in English. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, well, but you know what they do get? They get prison TikTok. Prison talk so is very way, good, though. In that way, China is is dist- undermining American legitimacy by letting mm-hmm. our prisoners, uh, you know, show you how to make grilled how, cheese on you know, TikTok. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, I, I'm kind of half serious about. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I, I I don't even know how to be serious about this, to be honest. But like the fact that I mean, like, yeah, you can like you know, like hide a phone 
in 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 prison and make a TikTok and and it does get it out there and it humanizes uh, prisoners in a really good way. That's cool for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's and it's real, which uh, yeah. it, it has you know one is just one way that it's above this uh, Falun Gong stuff where they're like, please uh, help me. Uh, I'm you know, like yeah. So I, I was able to skim that New York Post article that you sent and. You know, funny enough, one of the uh, one of the citations or whatever source, one of the sources uh, mentioned in that article was the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, which was a, a think tank that I mentioned earlier that is funded by the U.S. State Department, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, all of those people. <sighs> they've also been one. They've been like one of these think tanks that have also been pushing this Uyghur genocide um, story that has been popularized um, within the past year or so. Um, could, could you say something more about uh, the Uyghur uh, genocide? Like, I mean, you know, this podcast is anti-genocide. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll say that. Yeah. Uh, I would all, say I'm all- also anti-genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we wouldn't also, have, you, have you on otherwise. Yeah. We're generally anti-re-education camps, but it makes us think. It does make us think. So I, okay. So I, so controversial opinion here. I am not necessarily anti-re-education camp um, or anti-re-education. Because I think after any sort of revolution, uh, re- re-education would have to be necessary. I, yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, this, um, a carceral type of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But um, the re-education... It'll uh, be the 1619 project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we just, like, maybe we make everybody listen to, like, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. i mean if you think Um, like we talk a lot on this show about you know a post-capitalist world um and what that will look like and like i and we've even talked about just in the context of donald trump like what you do with all the people who are what what are we supposed to do with QAnon people what are we supposed to do with um the -hmm. folks that we are left with in the light not like they didn't exist before but i think it's a little bit worse than it was before and so yeah i'm not I'm not like necessarily ready to say like let's start building the re-education camps necessarily, but it's certainly food for thought about like if we actually do make a like a significant like revolutionary change in this country, uh, you would have you have to, to do something yeah, re- with the people who well, don't. Re-education is necessary. Yeah. Whether it can, w- whether yeah. <laughs> whether you put them all in a camp and concentrate a population of people into a camp and then you like force them to be educated in these camps. Like I can see why there are historical like precedents, why we should be like whoa, whoa. And but the, I guess the, the 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 thing that gets me about the coverage of it in China is like wait, but like what about our concentration camps? Like, mm-hmm. where do we have a moral foot to stand on? Like, I'm anti-state. I'm anti-authoritarian in general. And so when I see an authoritarian state, whether it be the United States or China or, you know, whatever, like, building and forcing, like, populations into, like, you know, control their thoughts and stuff, I'm like, uh, is this the best way? Is this the so, best way? So, um, so I think, we. I mean, you do have a point about the U.S using it as a way to like deflect from their own concentration camps on the border. But um, also like where, like what ground does the U S have on, you know, criticizing China for the, because what these are, are um, 
um, uh, like anti-terrorism uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of argue whether or not this is the right approach, but the U has the U S forgotten its own war on terror where they were like kidnapping people and sending them Guantanamo yeah. across the globe. Yeah. And it, it, there's still them. 40 detainees yeah. held in torturous conditions at Guantanamo Bay. Yep. Yeah, tricking yeah. tricking teenagers into trying to like blow up like you know Shopping inspector gadget yeah yeah so what china has done um they've taken this approach where they've tried to economically develop xinjiang and develop infrastructure and create job opportunities um so what these are are their re-education centers where uh uyghurs can learn mandarin and then trade skills um, and then, uh, like go out and find jobs. And thing is, is that like the way that they're discussed here precludes any possibility of like rational, discuss- like it's never, oh, maybe this is like a slightly heavy handed assimilationist program where the Uyghurs are subjected to like higher levels of surveillance and there's like mistreatment. No, it's always like there's systematic rape. Um, babies are ripped out of women's wombs. They're forcibly sterilized. Um, and it's or, a organ, harvesting. Organ, harvesting, organ harvesting. Yeah, the organ harvesting is a good time, one. Anytime there is like a repressed group in China, sooner or later, accusations of organ harvesting will emerge. Like all roads. To organ harvesting. Where does that come from? You're gonna gonna take someone's liver out in, like, you know, on the border of Uzbekistan and bring it to Hong Kong. Like, it's just like clearly, like, traveling two thousand miles with with a liver on ice. That's gonna work. That's the most efficient way. Like, uh, like that. That'll totally work. You know, liver can stay like what, like an hour and a half outside the human body. Like, (laughs) it's It's absolutely no fucking sense. So, where do these like? I don't know. I mean, it's so hard because like I don't I think probably all Americans are in this position where like I don't know what information to believe. I don't know where any of this information comes from. You know, you're talking about funding flows. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I yes, very sketchy ones. So like how I'm not like asking you to answer this question necessarily because I don't expect you to be able to answer it. But like where the fuck does this information come and how do we find out? what if any of it is true and what the real conditions there there are like yeah it's difficult i'm not sure of the real conditions myself either um i do think uh the stories that circulate here are like grossly exaggerated like i there's really not evidence to suggest that it's a genocide right and if you look at um the people who are like claiming it's a genocide they're ties are really, really sketchy. So if you read a BBC or New York Times article about uh, the Uyghurs, for instance, the one person who's always cited is Adrian Zenz, who is a far-right evangelical who um, is a fellow at this think tank called the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation. And he sort of extrapolated uh, this like really ridiculous number, like 8 million detained based on talking to like, like a handful of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 
info is like really like not reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, or how, how do you square the fact though that evangelical Christians love Muslims and care deeply about their well being? <laughs> oh, yeah, historically, it's always been so. <laughs> yeah. Or um, they come from like a handful of like Uyghur rights NGOs who receive like funding from the NED. Um, or you know they like just yesterday I read an op-ed in um nbc news and it was written by uh like a uyghur activist in the states uh whose brother was detained by china um and you know like i was reading it and she was like yeah he didn't do anything wrong um all he did was like go come to the united states uh and then worked with the state department and then came back to china and then they detained him and it's like, oh, I wonder why he was detained. We would never do that to somebody who went to China and worked directly worked with the with, Communist yeah. Party or the government. And then, yeah, oh, yeah. my fucking God. We're perfect, actually, as a nation, yeah. you know. Um, but I don't know. I, so I, I, I am never really comfortable saying, like, what is or isn't going on in Xinjiang. Mm-hmm. But I do try to um, sort of diversify uh, my, like, if you go to YouTube there are a lot of video bloggers um, talking to people in Xinjiang. If you follow, uh, like, there are like a few really good Chinese or um, uh, accounts of people who like live in Xinjiang, um, and you know, those are like pretty good sources of information for me as well. But it's just so hard to make a determination of like what's going exactly what's going on there um because of all of this like propaganda that we're just inundated with yeah yeah i mean it seems to me like the best way to approach it is just if the only people you can find who are saying that organ harvesting is happening are paid by like downstream from raytheon then maybe uh don't Listen to that. Take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. A strategic I, I, grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. I think that the diversity of perspectives is really critical here. Yeah. Like, you know, like the, we are all behind so many filters. It's insane. Like our, it's maddening. We, we're yeah. Eb- yeah. At, at, in a, in a period of time when the human species needs to get on the same page more drastically than ever before due to ecological crisis, like as well as every other compounding and accelerating crisis, it is truly a tragedy that we are so filtered from each other. We're in such, you know, echo chambers. We are, you know, we have no one to trust everybody that is like, you know, broadcasting these, uh, these points of information has an agenda. They're paid by various state, non-state actors that there's the these dark forces of power and hegemony that like are transcontinental and everybody's like vying for their own fucking reasons and like i don't know i guess like i embrace personal philosophy of like extreme nuance which is Mm -hmm. to say like you know like i fucking don't know anything like i really am the global (laughs) village idiot i'm just trying to pay attention to to everything and like but anyway i i I think that you know your commentary especially on just like pointing out to the degree uh that american mass media is you know anti-china propaganda at this moment is incredibly useful and so i just wanted to personally thank you amanda for everything that you've been tweeting out over the last uh you know year since i've been following you um and you know just like 
I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to wrap it up. It's just like th- these these threads, just you keep pulling them and it connects there's to everything so else. Yeah. yeah, there's so much. Um, yeah. And this always happens whenever I go on a podcast is that like, we'll plan on talking about maybe like five to 10 <laughs> articles. We end up getting through maybe two if we're lucky yeah. because we start talking about something and there's so much ground to cover. You could go on and on. Yeah. But I'm really, I'm, this is really fun. Thank you for inviting me on here. Yeah, no, this is excellent. This is, you know, we talk like it's very difficult to find, um, like expertise on this topic. And so like your perspective has been really, really valuable to us. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to plug before we, we sign off? I don't. Um, but just follow me on Twitter if you want to. Cat content only. C A T C O N T E N T O N L Y. Hell yeah. We'll link to it in the in the show notes for this episode. Absolutely. Okay. Who's gonna be the chaos theorist in this um Jurassic Park ass? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> they spent so much time thinking about oh, whether they could about the- but they didn't really think about whether they should <laughs> oh man uh, that was a real sexual awakening for me I feel like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park yeah, I probably like, shouldn't say that because of my age when Jurassic Park came out never mind I'm gonna <laughs> no 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 it's, it's okay I think it was like five being a child <laughs> and being attracted to adults not that's not sus no. Okay, I can't be like <laughs> accused of like reverse pedophilia. <laughs> oh man, I saw I Jurassic keep, Park I, was one of the first movies I saw in theater. Actually, I think it might be the first movie I saw in theater. My mother had to explain to movie. me what um shit was in a crowded theater. Um, nice because of the big pile of dinosaur poop. Yeah, scene. not allowed. And, and I said, "Mom, what shit?" <laughs> You had never shit before, but you knew how to speak. No, I knew. I just didn't know what the word <laughs> shit meant. Oh, okay. I thought you saw the the pile of dung and were like, "What? What? What is that?" No, no, no. I knew that it was poop, but I didn't know what the word shit meant. Um, oh, yeah, my mother nice. also had to uh, explain to me what jack off meant, thanks to um, Cheryl Crow's self titled album uh, and the jack off and Jay the hit single uh, "Change Would Do You Good." And one of the lines is "Jack off, Jimmy! Everybody, wa- everybody wants more." And uh, I asked my mom what "Jack off" meant, and she explained it to me. And then, uh, very sweetly, as my mother always did, told me that I could never say it in public. Nice. That's just some fun. Anyway, why are we talking about dinosaur shit and Jurassic Park <laughs> and everything else? And jacking off. And jacking off. Hey, and that because... is kind of relevant to this too, because I imagine they had to jack off some rhinos. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. So today's wildflower in wildflower-related content for you. Scientists produce embryos in race to save northern white rhino from extinction. So the white rhinos have basically been, like, hunted to death. Um, Yeah, they officially went extinct. They are officially extinct, uh, which was I was surprised to learn that that does not mean that there are none of them. It just means that there aren't enough of them to continue the species. Um, there are no known living males and neither the two remaining northern white rhinos on earth a mother and her daughter living in Kenya can carry a calf to term yeah ah. but um, 
So scientists hope to implant embryos from made from the rhino's egg cells and some frozen sperm from a deceased male, uh, from a couple of males, into surrogate mothers from a more abundant rhino species. So basically they're going to, you know, take all the white rhino DNA and put it in some other rhino and hope that it pops out a white rhino. But who's going to be the dad? We'll have to go on Maury who's Povich g- to find that out. Really. Yeah, who's going to have yeah. to pay, pay child who's support? Pay for who's going to break dance? <laughs> when they find out that they're not the father. <laughs> yeah, so this, yeah, this is a really yeah. sweet story. Um, this is uh, from the bio-rescue research team, which faced a lot of uh, challenges in 2020 because of the pandemic. Um specifically international travel restrictions and it interfering with some of their procedures for for scientific research and development. Uh, The leader of the research team says 2020 was really a hard test for all of us, but giving up is not the mentality of any true scientist. Christmas gave us a present, two embryos, and we are extremely happy about that. So this brings their total up to five embryos, which are being stored in liquid nitrogen at a laboratory in Cremona in Italy's Lombardy region. It's a good place to keep it, I think. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's really fucking cool, man. Like, whenever I see science, like, like high-tech science able to potentially undo some of the, like, horrific shit that we've done to this planet, it's, you know, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, did you guys see, it was probably before we started this podcast, but there was like this seed bank in like either Antarctica or like somewhere in like, you know, Greenland, like way near the Arctic uh, circle that um, uh, had like this, like all of the I seeds. think that's in Russia, isn't it? Wasn't that a Soviet yeah, project? It, yeah. And like, there was a global warming news article that was like, and it's melting and yeah. it's gonna go away. We picked the bad spot <laughs> <laughs> yeah is it like it flooded or something yeah 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 uh but uh but you know like sometimes we can uh you know take it back from the brink and uh um, yeah. you know knock up some rhinos yeah yeah baby That's... rhinos baby rhinos i <laughs> what is this a chant we're doing yeah yeah we i thought, do it. I thought we i'd do start it. a chant yeah okay yeah. let's yeah. do it all right ba- all right okay. let's do it baby, baby rhinos baby rhinos baby does that just mean right. like infant republicans who are kind of moderate <laughs> god i hope not but they're actually democrats right it's- so they're re- re- republicans in name only so yeah <sighs> basically the democrats then yeah so the, those those babies have. Done we should a have lot dinos, in Democrat life. in name only. Do we have? Is that a thing? I've never heard anybody say oh, that being a thing. Wow. But it seems like it'd be baby good. dinos, baby, baby dinos. dinos. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we have a few of those in Troy, don't we? Eh, 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 eh. Very, yeah, very good, very good. Um, <laughs> so uh, donate to Kiani. Donate to Kiani, uh, a non-dino. In Troy. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks again uh, to Amanda for for coming on that episode. That, that was, was a really cool fun. episode. I got to say, that, that was, was very very cool. I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. And now I now we need to find uh, an expert on the the um, political economy of China because we are ignorant. We really want to know. 
Uh, we need to get a Maoist on here. On. Really would be yeah. great if somebody could, if we could get a Maoist, because I don't know fuck all about Maoism. Um, and don't tell me to read a book. I'm tired of reading books. That's all I do. Have you, shut up. Have you searched? Have you started to watch the uh, the new Adam Curtis? No. I, I watched the last, uh, the first part last night, and it's called uh, "Blood on Wolf Mountain." The, the the first part, it's a uh, the the whole series is called "Can't Get You Out of My Head," but it was interesting because it talked about Mao's wife, who ended who like in her her story arc is interesting because she was an actress and she was like super ambitious. She left her first husband and like left him a note, just being like, "I have this primal drive of like fame and power." And it is the only thing keeping my psychology from like falling apart and I must pursue it. And like, you are just a regular person. So I must leave you. And she went on to uh, like, yeah, like her first movie uh, role was called Blood on Wolf Mountain. And uh, she ended up like, you know, being viewed by the CCP at the time, or I don't know if they were even called that at the time, but um, all the people around Mao as like being a bit, bit of a liability because she was like a super individualist. She was like, you know, a real um, uh, sort of hard headed person. Uh, and Anyway, I'm interested to see what I can glean about Chinese um, uh, political economy from that documentary, but it'll probably be vastly insufficient. So if anybody out there knows a lot about why the Communist Party in China allows for the existence of hundreds of billionaires in capitalist industry that like funnels value creation from the working class to the owner class, please let us know and write in um, because like I won't, I personally am extremely curious about you know, the, the dynamics of this uh, rising superpower in terms of, like, uh, socialism. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to know, yeah, too. Yeah, we got to figure this out. Yeah, we got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. All right, well, we'll uh, the, the, the hunt is on. <laughs> 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 to find a Maoist. But uh, un, 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 until then, you know, yeah. uh, uh, th- thanks a lot for, for joining us. Yes. And, uh, and what was our last bonus episode about? It was... Uh, Oh my god! Uh, it, w- it it literally made me cry. It made. So yeah, if you want, yeah. if you want to hear me crying, um, then check it out because it was about unfree work and a whole new type of unfree work, which was if um, a rehabilitation for drug centers that were themselves like they they'd pay you in cigarettes and they'd work you to the bone literally yeah. sometimes. Um and uh yeah, like And you know what? The next bonus episode is going to be fun. We're going to do something fun. Hell yeah. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to try to do some research this week on a fun topic and maybe we can come up with something uh something something fun. <laughs> I think we all yeah, need we'll, it. We'll, we all we'll need do it. Something. Um, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, and I'll if tell you want to listen to that all the things I bake. <laughs> that that's boring. We're not going to do that. Shut up. You shut up. Um, I love you. Happy, yeah. happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> David, David and I have been together for 11 years now, and we have never hey. once celebrated Valentine's Day. Not I think this time. might actually be the first Good time today I, I said Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. It was on, yeah, on this podcast live. I just, I don't like Valentine's Day. Yeah, Part of it's that it's, it's right after my birthday, mm. and it's just like, you know, I just don't, I don't need it. Yeah, the um, secret to all these corporate holidays that are made for profit is make them your own, reinvent them, or ignore them, yeah, <laughs> one way or the other. You know, I don't a- mean to like shame. It, other people like to celebrate Valentine's Day, and that's totally cool. I don't mean to like you know, poo poo anybody or look down my nose at them. But I just don't. Yeah. I have never cared about Valentine's Day. 
Em and I went on a very romantic walk yesterday uh, through the cemetery. Uh, we we got on our, our snow suits and our, you know, knee-high rubber boots. And we, like, waded out into the bush and, like, found, like, all these deer trails. And we, like, followed them and eventually, like, found a bunch of deer and shit. It was, we have a bush in our front yard that the deer sweet. love to eat. And they yeah. come into the front yard and eat, eat the eat leaves from this bush. And the cats are, like, fascinated. Fuck yeah. You know why I think I hate Valentine's Day? Why? And this is really, this is a true, like, we do live in a society moment, is that, you know, like, when you're little kids and you do the Valentine's Day card exchange thing, and then everybody's like, look at how many cards I got. I got so many cards. I never got very many cards because I never had a lot of friends because I was just kind of a weird loner. And so, like, a, like, competitive holiday about liking people is a really fucked up thing that we subject small children to and it i don't is. think it's okay yeah um, and for that reason facebook now so we don't yeah. have to do anything with those cards <laughs> just, just do yeah. the likes on instagram yeah i was just thinking about that like there's this big push to uh to try to eliminate numbers uh from uh social media it, which I fucking love. I love Demetrification, that. I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's so fucking cool. It's been a thing for like, a few years. Like, what, like it, and it would be cool if, like, only you sort of knew if stuff was actually getting shared around. Like, it'd be cool to have, like, some level of, like, understanding as to whether or not anything had legs. Um, but the idea that, like, you know, children have, like, the complicated social networks in real life, like in meat space that they have. And then on top of that, that they have like this, you know, numerical, like gamified, like uh, uh, social conditioning through social networks. It's just like that problem you had with the um, the Valentine's Day, but it's every day. Every day, everywhere on everything, every thought they have, everything they share. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say shout out to Ben Grosser. (laughs) For uh, the Facebook demetrificator. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, uh, we need more Twitter followers because that's yeah. the only thing that proves that we're a real <laughs> podcast. So uh, if you could please help us out with that. Oh, and give us some reviews, too. Give us five stars. Count them five. One, two, three, four, five. Um, yeah, and don't, don't do anything less than five because we have a perfect fucking record. We, we get, do. Like, we 46. have a perfect score. Yeah, so keep your four stars out of us. here. Don't fuck do it up. Not, not fuck this up for us. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. Get those numbers up. David, where can they find us on Twitter? Ironweeds pod, god damn it. <laughs> and you know what? I need some more Instagram likes up in my inbox. So put those shittings right up in my inbox At on Instagram. Ironweeds pod. Yes. And um, I don't really count our emails because the emails yeah. are kind of. But you know, if you want to send us an email, you can uh, send it to Ironweeds pod. At, At gmail.com. <laughs> Also, yes, we did watch the Britney documentary. We're we're we're, we're busy digesting it. So yeah, you know, yes, we'll, we are. We'll get, yeah. we'll get to us. Get get to you on that. Yeah. Also, Britney's agent, get at us because we yeah. are ahead of the curve, and we yeah, really, seriously, we that really... doc, that doc, like uh, obviously stole a lot of shit from our episode. <laughs> did not learn. Thank a you so much. Thing. We love you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Peace.